today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are joined by our buddy Robbie Hummel, uh, who is actually in Los Angeles along with us. Um, weird. I, I, I'm still not getting used to this state of the, the, the quarantine state of, of doing interviews, especially. And it really, it really just hit home when we were texting each other, setting this up, and we we're like, "Where, where is everyone?" And we're all like a mile from each other, but we can't see each yeah, other. Like, yeah, L.A., 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 which is yeah. uh, it's. It's funny because we always yell at Robbie because, you know, he comes to L.A. all the time and he never comes on our show. And mm-hmm. it, it's funny enough that we have to be in quarantine. He's trapped in L.A. And he's like, I mean, I guess. Why not? I'll come on your show. So <laughs> we, we got him to come on the show. This is perfect. Uh, we wanted to do Robbie is a fancy college basketball analyst who has to put on a suit mm-hmm. and tie uh, when he talks about college basketball, unlike us. So we wanted mm-hmm. to use his expertise. And we did a little thing where we did a draft of the best individual individual uh uh tournament runs by individual we mean individual people um we all we all drafted our favorite our what we thought was the best whatever um single ncaa tournament runs by players in history and uh some weird results each i think each of us had a really stupid draft pick if i can be fair (laughs) if i can (laughs) that's my analysis i also think I will say this. I think the 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 rules were loose. We, we're in a world where we're making up these these dumb lists anyway. And it was also like top five individual tournament performances, which is right. seems like a very open-ended thing because it could be to you, to the general mm-hmm. public, to the college basketball audience, whatever it may be. And I think that we got a hodgepodge of all those things. No, Tate, this is the name of the game uh, in quarantine. <laughs> quarantine content is muddy the waters. Just, just entertain mm-hmm. the people enough for however long they're listening that's all people really want is they just want to be distracted from the nonsense going on in the world and uh that's what we're going to do speaking of nonsense going on I, we also oh, had this wow. idea after watching tiger king and talking about it some more we talked about it a little bit on the podcast last week but um everyone's talking about tiger king uh and for good mm-hmm. reason uh tate and i wanted to put the college basketball spin on it so what we're going to do on the show today before before robbie joins us is we are going to assign Tiger King, we're going to sign college basketball coaches to every Tiger King character and explain why we think that this coach is this <laughs> character. And it is either the best idea we've ever had or more likely the dumbest idea we've ever had. And we're all going to find out together which one it is. Uh, we were going to get to that right away. But first, Woody Durham. All right, it is Monday night. We're going to just dive right into it. Uh, there's there's no more explanation really needed other than to say, Tate, that um, this we, we should have a little disclaimer that, that what we're about to do is compare Tiger King characters. So if you haven't seen the documentary Tiger King, first of all, mm-hmm. again, like watch we said it. on the last podcast, stop this. Do not, do not consume any other content until you go watch mm-hmm. this. It's my favorite piece of media mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And, including every movie ever made, every TV show ever made. This is my favorite thing ever. Um, mm-hmm. Go watch it. Uh, uh, and, and, sec- and secondly, stop because like we're gonna sp- we're about to spoil everything for you. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to say, Tate, th- th- if you've seen Tiger King, you realize that these characters are so absurd that our comparisons cannot be a one-to-one comparison. So part of what makes this exercise Ex- yes. entertaining is like, trying to explain why you assign a coach to because there is no one who's joe exotic we don't have i mean mm-hmm. we don't have a joy like there is nowhere <laughs> even close to joe exotic in college basketball but yet this is what we were tasked with is assigning college basketball coaches to these guys so i just want to preface that that there's not necessarily a one-to-one comparison <laughs> with these people yes that's all yeah it, it- 
like everyone in life, everyone has a lot of layers, and we learn a lot about the characters as we move on, like through the series. Like, like we talked about last week, it's a just wait series. So, uh, e- even if you think you know Joe Exotic, right, you really don't know him until you, you see the full character arc, you know what I mean? And same right. with Carol Baskin and all these guys. So, uh, even though they may fit one character, you know, trait, that's just what we're picking and choosing from to make it fit uh, our whole narrative of Tiger King, the college basketball edition. Buckle up, folks. This is, again, going to be probably the dumbest thing we have ever done on the show. But mm. uh, we live in dumb times, and this is what this is what the, uh, the, the, the situation calls for. So we start with the man of the hour. We start with the, the focal point of this documentary, Tate. Joe Exotic, I will give you the floor. Mm. Which college basketball coach are you assigning to Joe Exotic? So Joe Exotic, right? He is a Tiger King. He is, in my world, in, in the college basketball version of Tiger King, the Tigers are the five stars. The Tigers are the players, right? And in this world, in the world of one and duns, in the world of five stars, we we're say a time around, you know, like between 2008 and 2015, right? In my ver- my version of Tiger King. And that Tiger King during that period for me, a man that who will be framed, a man who will be dragged through the mud, a man who will have to answer for his sins of the past, a man by the name of Rick Pitino. And that is the Tiger King. <laughs> We're starting out hot. I love it. This, this is great. <laughs> That's the Tiger King in my world and the universe that I will build out. So that is the, the one domino to fall. Rick Pitino as Joe Exotic. Rick, Rick Exotic. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. The, again, like this, we have very different. You're doing Rick Petito. This is <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, my Tiger King pick for uh, my my Joe Exotic pick. I mean, um, is Eric Musselman because I'm going with the, <laughs> the rationale of like as you're watching Joe Exotic's whole existence unfolding mm-hmm. on the screen, it it gets to a point where you you cannot believe each individual development, but at the same time, you're like. Yeah, I mean, that's completely believable based on what I know about the guy to this point. Uh, Eric Musselman mm-hmm. is getting into that territory for me. We, we followed his antics as a coach uh, for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Starting, I think he popped up on everyone's radar as like kind of a, an unpredictable wild card when he took his shirt off at the Mountain West Tournament. That was like a, whoa, Ripped is this a one-time? Yeah. yeah, is this a one-time thing? Mm-hmm. We have since learned it is not a one-time thing. Eric Musselman, no. uh, you have no idea what you're going to get from him. You have no idea what he's going to tweet what video he's going to put out, what he's going to do for any recruit. So that is my train of thought. Um, obviously, Eric Musselman is not one-to-one, again, no one-to-one comparison to Joe Exotic. But that little element of Joe Exotic of like, you have no idea what's going to happen next. I feel that way about Eric Musselman right now. I, I see in my mind right now, Eric Musselman in Arkansas with a cowboy hat on singing, I see five stars <laughs> and they see a coach. <laughs> I see it. I see it in my mind. That makes sense. That's fantastic. All right, so the Joe Exotic's out of the way. Um, let's do Carol Baskin, secondly. So Carol Baskin, for me, this is a world, like, again, the, the Tigers in the college basketball world, they are the five stars. They are the hot prospects. But they are also a part of this new module of breeding, a.k.a. the one-and-done model. And the people that are part of the old guard used to be a part of this model, but now they act like they, they don't know what this is, and they're trying to get rid of all the bad in the world, but they still want to participate but from a distance, and they also want to get rid of the bad guys. You know what I mean? The BAG guys, the guys that are getting the Tigers. And in that sense, but we're also evil because we're Carol, and and we've done some things that everyone kind of knows about, but nobody really knows. And that, of Uh course, fits the model of Coach K. Coach K (laughs) has 
has has the the past that we're not really sure about. We also know that like uh-huh. he's good. He's he's the good guy. He's the Mother Teresa of college basketball. You know, he's the he's the old guard coach. But we know back in the day he used to have to do some things to get a Johnny Dawkins maybe to go to Duke. You know, maybe maybe what you know Big Cat Rescue used to do back in the day with the breeding practices. You know, of yep. Don Lewis. Yep. You know, maybe um, maybe because he got those breeding practices uh, from a guy Bobby Knight. A.K. Mm-hmm. his Don Lewis, somebody mm-hmm. that he got rid of in his life. Mm-hmm. He took everything from Coach Knight. No, 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 no. Uh, the analogy would be Pete Gaudet. Pete Gaudet is his, <laughs> his <laughs> that he just threw under the bus, <laughs> fed to the Tigers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He said, Pete Gaudet, yes. you take all my losses. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I will. I will be the face of this. I will have all the subscribers. Hey, are you? Hey, are you cool cats and five stars? Come on down to Duke. <laughs> You're gonna love this pick, though. Uh, so you do, Coach K, <laughs> for Carol Baskin. I am in a very similar part of the country as Coach K. My pick is about six miles away. I'm going with Roy Williams as my Carol Baskin. Wow! Pick, here's why. Wow! <laughs> Carol Baskin's whole she's got she's got the whole all shucks demeanor on the surface. Mm. That's what she tries to present herself to the world. <laughs> but deep down, you know, she's a little bit diabolical. But at the same time. There's there's this one big massive as you said that her her husband disappearing. There's this one massive black mark on her resume. This one massive scandal, and it's debatable mm. as to how much she was involved, how much mm-hmm. she knew, what her role in it all mm-hmm. was. We know she was there at the time, but was she really? What did she know? Did she do it? Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> that is the Roy Williams, uh, uh, the mm-hmm. academic scandal at North Carolina. And he's got the he's got the what dad scandal? gum and, huh? <laughs> and he's got the dad gum and the all shucks and he puts on that veneer, but like deep down, you know, he's going to the press conferences and he's saying, I hate these kids and this is the worst team I've ever coached, and I'm gonna well, feed them all to my tigers. <laughs> let me let me just say I agree in the sense that my Howard Baskin, my Howard Baskin, not my Carol Baskin, yeah. is Roy Williams. And here's why. <laughs> so Big Cat Rescue is Duke, North Carolina to college basketball, right? They are they are also they are representing two things at once. They are the living conundrum of we want to do right by these tigers. We want to save these five star kids from from this you know terrible life. We're going to give them this amazing education, play in this amazing rivalry, and save them from all these crooks mm-hmm. out here, all these coaches. You know, let's just say let's just point them out like a Rick Stansberry, right? Like that, that's who's out there in the world to Roy Williams and Coach K, right? So they're looking out from Big Cat Rescue. They're they're letting people know in the old guard, we got to clean this up. We got to get this act done. But they also used to be a part of this act. You know what I mean? Like they were fully in the game, but now they want to make sure they keep the game around them. And that is why they are both Carolina and Duke, the rivalry, Carol Baskin and Howard Baskin. They are the Big Cat Rescue. All right. All right. I see where you're going with that. Well, you're going to love my Howard Baskin um, because I, I had I had different logic as Again, I can't stress it enough. This is the joy of this exercise. Is like all these characters have so many layers that we, mm. what you see in Howard Baskin, I see something completely different. I see Howard Baskin as a, a guy who's who loves living in the shadow of someone else. A guy who exactly uh, Roy Williams sitting yeah, behind well, Coach K, letting him dominate the triangle. Yes, exactly. Um, I see a guy who is is I'm just gonna cut right to it. My guy is Chris Collins. Uh because Chris <laughs> Collins 
the, the we have the picture of Howard Baskin at his wedding with the mm. leash. He's on all fours. He's got the leash, and and Carol's basically got him on a leash. He's in the tiger costume, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that is Chris Collins with Coach K. So like my my Howard works well with your Carol because you had Coach K as Carol. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. Collins literally got on all four. Basically, you could pick any of the Duke <laughs> assistants. You know, you could do the same with Johnny Dawkins. Maybe you pick Wojo, Wojo. And, Co- and Coach yeah. K has got them on the leash, whatever. Uh, but the difference is Chris Collins literally got on all fours against Michigan <laughs> last year when he was slapping the floor. And we have the picture of Chris Collins, the very famous picture of him getting down on all fours. Uh, throw a leash around him, put Photoshop Coach K behind him. Looks the exact same as the other picture. That's my pick is Howard Baskin. Chris Collins. I, I, yeah, that's a lock. That's a lock on the all fours with the picture with the with the chain, the leash. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I let's, think that's uh, a great pick. Let's uh, let's move on to another star. Another star of this thing, uh, Doc Antle. The what? What did he call himself? The the Bhagavan, the Bhagavan. Yes, the Bhagavan. Yes, yeah. yes, the Bhagavan. And he also is not a doctor, but he has a doctorate in uh, mystery <laughs> sciences. So uh, that's always good. And he also is in Myrtle Beach, which is. Like I'm from North Carolina, we go down to Myrtle Beach, or you know, everyone's been down to Myrtle Beach. They know what's going on down there. And as soon as Sammy, who is also from North Carolina, as soon as we saw Myrtle Beach Safari, we're like, "Yep, we're like, yep, they're like, they're yep. gonna get in there. Like, they're gonna find some <laughs> stuff they don't want to see down there. Like, that is, that is dirty Myrtle, as they like to say. Uh, for me, Doc Antle. Doc Antle is a show. He like to me the whole Tiger trade, right? Let's just view it as the one and done five star procurement the process of procurement mm-hmm. the, the process to get these beautiful baby cubs to come in here and love them love the experience and have a great time who's doing that better than anyone coach calipari aka mm-hmm. you call him doc i call him cal and that is who coach calipari is you know what i mean he's sitting there he's running this beautiful pristine situation he's like and at the time again rick patino is tiger king so he's over there trying to get in the one and done game and and mm-hmm. calipari's over here he's like i'll give you some tips like here's what you could do maybe you get a runner there to go do this this and that but also i'm good over here and, wh- and what do you mean crime i'm just trying to take care of these baby cubs you should mm-hmm. learn some humanity you should learn how the, what they could teach you in life so there you go that's uh john calipari as doc Antle. Everyone's trying to rip his uh rip his style. That's a great call. That's uh, uh yeah. he invented the the one and done game. Yeah, I, I like mm-hmm. it. Um, I I in a similar vein, I I I had in a nod to Doc Antle being the OG, uh, being the guy that everyone wants to be. Um, it, everyone kind of said he's the classier version of of all of these shitty Tiger camps or whatever you call them, Tiger zoos. <laughs> he, he had like the classiest, all that kind of stuff. That's why I am assigning Doc Antle uh, Coach K because I think Coach mm. K represents like I am classier than all of you and I know it. Um, mm. I mm. I am the OG. You all want to be me. And and listen, mm. his Doc Antle had the harem. He had the all the wives. You know that that he mm. sleeps with all that. Those are all Coach K's coaching tree. That's all his assistants mm-hmm. that he he keeps around. He he nurses them he he keeps them under his mm-hmm. thumb and then he sends them off into the wild when he's done with them that's coach k mm-hmm. yeah yeah you see you see john chan right there he's been with me since he was 17 yeah exactly, exactly. He, literally <laughs> never gonna leave me exactly. never yeah, gonna exactly. leave yeah nolan he's smith same thing yeah same yeah. thing so uh yeah the, that yeah that's my pick for for doc Hattle. all right uh who do you want to do next uh let's do john finley right yeah, okay. uh, the first yeah. husband uh, uh, of Doc, or of uh, Joe Exotic, and, and the man that was basically the most loyal man, I think, in the program as far as, you know, his heart was open. He was willing to believe in Joe. Uh, he was there from day one. 
Um, and in that sense, in my world where Rick Pitino is Tiger King, my answer for John Finley is Herb Sendak, uh, a man mm-hmm. that has been by uh, you know Rick's side, a man that in 1992 saw Rick's team lose to Christian Leitner that uh, Robbie will bring up later in the program that I don't want to talk about right now. But Herb Sendak has always been there. You know what I mean? Day one, early on with Pitino, listening to him, learning from him, um, just like John Finley. So uh, Herb Sendak. That's great. I love, I got, I got to say, I love that you're doing a narrative with all these and you're keeping them all tied together. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. I'm keeping each yeah. pick. Each pick is in isolation of itself. It does. <laughs> you know. Yours is like, yours yeah. is like, you have a whole, it's a story. I have a story. I, I, I got the college basketball blue bloods. Like how they'll get, here's the game. Here's yeah. the tiger game. <laughs> you're taking it to the next level, man. Props to you for that. Um, my pick for John Finley is Tom Crane, and uh, my my <laughs> rationale. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, John Finley was a big goofball. Like he first pops up <laughs> on the screen, and you're like, all all your mind thinks is meme. That's all you think. You're just like, mm-hmm. this is gonna be a meme of some sort. Like this man has a shirt off the entire show. He's tattooed from head mm-hmm. to toe with like some of the ugliest tattoos. He's got no teeth. Um, mm-hmm. he is a punchline. He's just a living, breathing punchline. He doesn't even have to say anything. He just exists in your face, and you're like laughing. And that's that's where mm-hmm. we were at with Tom Crean, uh, the most memeable coach in the history of college basketball. But then, in the documentary, John Finley kind of like turns a corner, and you start to like feel for him a little bit, and you're cheering for the redemption yeah. arc. By the end of it, you're kind of pulling for the guy to to get himself out of that situation and get his life together. And that's where we're at with Tom Crean as well. The the, the Crean-assance, uh <laughs> Uh, did not go exactly as planned this year with Anthony Edwards, but mm-hmm. uh, we're on our way there, Tate. People are cheering for Tom Crean again. They, they're glad to have Tom Crean back mm-hmm. in their lives. And um, yeah, he's got he's got a similar arc. That's a good one. Uh, should we go to John Reinke? Because this is another one that I think is... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Explain to the people who that is, though. Because if, if, so, we're, so we're he starting is, to get into the territory of the people, like, you forget who they are, but the yeah, you know. So he is he is the uh, the Zoom manager. He is uh, he has no legs. He has two prosthetic yeah. legs. He is he's probably I would say the best uh, like voice of reason I guess inside the zoo I would mm-hmm. say. Um, but he's also inside the zoo and said that you know he came there to pet a bear and he stayed there for however many years. So like <laughs> you know take that take all that with a grain of salt. Like as to you know what do you mean by sane? Um, which is why my pick for John Rinky, a guy that was in the world of Rick Pitino early on, a guy that saw the saw the zoo, knew the zoo, but he also wanted to play, uh, and he wanted to be there with his Joe Exotic, aka Rick Pitino, and that's Billy Donovan. And Billy Donovan is uh, early on with Ricky P, and he also seems like the kind of guy like I don't know if Andre McGee's arm got bitten off, you know, I and mean, he seems like Billy Donovan and Ricky Rick Pitino would go there with a document for him to sign something, you know what I mean? Like it seems mm-hmm. like they could rely on each other. They do things differently, but they also have the same MO I think at the end of the day, which is like let's take care of these big cats. Um until it changes for Joe Exotic. Um Billy Donovan, that's my pick. Yeah, and then and then John Rinky ends up with like a better well more well-adjusted life than Joe. Which exactly. is you know Billy Donovan's figured it out. He's he's ascended to a level that that Rick never could, and um, <laughs> by keeping a job in the NBA, basically, I like it. I lo- I love your narrative that you're, you're building here. Uh, my pick is um Jay Wright, and I'm gonna explain why because this one's a little confusing. <laughs> you you kind of laid out the the idea. John Rinky in this documentary is the the voice of reason. He's the guy that mm-hmm. you look at and you're like. Thank God there's somebody sane in this whole thing because everyone mm-hmm. that's coming on my screen is talking this nonsense. And finally, we have someone who has half a brain, who has a little bit of logic, who has all this. 
And then you think some more and you're like, but he also has no legs because he, <laughs> he, uh, zip lining accident but even then like the the le- he didn't have to amputate his legs and then he said like basically he explains in the documentary all he has to do to not amputate his legs is like just stop walking around as much and just like mm-hmm. do rehab and he's and he's mm-hmm. like nah I, I wanted to keep feeding the tigers and i walked around and then eventually i had to get my legs amputated it's like what so in that vein i went with jay wright <laughs> because jay wright on the surface you think about jay wright and you're like that's a guy who gets it that's a guy who runs his program the right way what we know about him now is he's just this classy guy who who is sharp dressed man who recruits like three star guys, um, and you think to yourself, that's how college basketball coaches should be. That's a man who does not live in that other world. <laughs> but then you really stop and think about it, and you're like, if he's really that classy, though, why is he in this world? Why is he winning national mm-hmm. championships? Mm-hmm. Wait a second, and you do like the step back, and you're like, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, you almost got me. You almost yeah. got me there yeah. for a second. Yeah, yeah. Tabro, is that his name? Mario Tabru? Yeah, Mario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tabru, Tabru, yeah, yeah. Mario. So he, the Scarface guy. He's the Scarface guy. That's what we know him. Yes. As. Yeah. So he's Scarface guy, uh, which means like he is one of the OGs of written. I'm just gonna go ahead and give you my Mario because like I was like, as I'm thinking about him, this whole thing, I'm like, well, I might as well line this up. So in this world that we're in, Rick Patino again. Ex- Joe Exotic. I almost called him Exotic Joe like Shaq, but Joe Exotic's at the top. He's learning from the top dogs. He's learning from Mario, a guy who's kind of gone away, but he also did it before everybody else. A guy that would pull up in his Corvette by himself, almost give the middle finger, you know, to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And guess who's done that his whole entire career coaching in college? A man that has gone to every single blue blood and beyond and basically said NCAA middle finger. Uh, that is a man by the name of Larry Brown, and he's still got his mm-hmm. cats. And he's and he's in solitude and he's and he's in his private location in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's still having a great time. And he's also just kind of laughing at everybody else because he's kind of already been through both sides of it. And that's why Larry Brown is Mario in my world. That's a great pick. Uh, similar vein as you um, with the whole like did it was at the top of the mountain. <laughs> had to come back down. Uh, I'm going Rick Pitino for Mario. Um, oh, beyond. Yes. I mean, th- there's the obvious ties of just the aesthetic. I mean, you, you start right there. <laughs> yeah. The whole aesthetic fits with Patino and Mario. Uh, but then, you know, Mario Mario's just nonchalantly talking about he, – he's just dismissing how he was present when a DA agent was chopped up into pieces. And he's like – he just kind of mm-hmm. glosses over that. He's like, you know, I think the worst thing I ever did was like a DA agent was chopped up. I didn't do it. I was there, but like, so what? So anyway, I want to talk about these animals. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Go back, go back. <laughs> Patino does the same thing. He's like, yes, listen, you know, I did have the Italian, I did have the three scandals, the Italian restaurant and the hookers and the mm-hmm. Brian Bowen. Yeah. Okay. But like, forget all that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so Mario does his time. He, he has to go to prison <laughs> for 12 years. He gets out of prison years, yeah. and then he starts laying low and he's just kind of keeping it cool, calm, collected. That is Rick Patino. He did his time mm-hmm. in Greece. He did his time <laughs> getting kicked out of uh, college basketball, but now he's back. He's back at Iona. He's landed like, He's got a full roster and, and the snap of a finger. I don't know how he did that, but um, he's back in the game and it's good to have him back. So that's my pick. And he see, and he seems like he's just doing it for the love of the game, you know. Like when they show Mario, he's yeah. like throwing the little yeah. inner tubes in for the like for the cats. You know, he's just like, oh, this is my little oasis. I love it. You know, that's yeah. Rick Pitino now yeah. at Iona. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. All right, uh, who else we got here? Uh, next uh, up, uh, Tim Tim Stark. Right? Do you want to do Tim? Let's Stark? do Tim Stark. Tim Stark's fun. I love this guy. This was a this was a good okay. guy. In, in the please please tell me please tell me your Tim Stark because I want to hear who. Okay, you Okay, I'll go. Tim okay, Stark I'll is. go first. All right, we'll switch up. So Tim Stark. First of all, Tim Stark was from Indiana, right? Is he? Is that yes. correct? 
because that, that yes, uh, I believe he uh, he always had a monkey on his on him <laughs> at all times, yes. um, which was was fascinating. Uh, and I don't know if there's a metaphor there. I'll, I'll find a way. I'll I'll backtrack and, and find a way to work the monkey on the back metaphor. <laughs> but I went with John Calipari as my Tim Stark because Tim Stark to me was very media savvy. He knew <laughs> he knew how how to be likable in front of the camera. Uh, he won me over when he was talking about Doc Antle and he was like, screw the tiger stuff. I want to know how he gets those women to sleep with them and marry it, <laughs> and like all that. And when he said that, I was like, this is my kind of guy. He's, he's like kind of being funny, but he, he, he hams it up on, on camera like John Calipari does. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got that whole persona. That's like, I'm not like those other guys, you know? He's, mm-hmm. he's got that whole thing of like, aren't these guys crazy? And it's like, dude, you're just like every single one of those guys, <laughs> but he doesn't really think he is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Cal where he's got like the kind of the, the swagger to him and, and all these, I'm not like all these other guys. I do it my way. I get these guys to the league and we, we do it differently here at Kentucky. And it's like, no, you do it the exact same way as everyone else. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe the monkey on the back is Cal. I don't know. I don't know what the metaphor is there. Like he, no, he couldn't. Well, get no, to, because the 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 monkey was on his back, but then it cl- it climbed to the front, and he was like, "I'd rather have the monkey okay. on the front than the back." It was so Cal, the Cal was sees the, the monkey now. It was the legal final four. Like he, he Cal could not mm. legally, he could not go to a final four and keep it until he finally did, and he got the monkey off the back. So there it is. Yeah, maybe that's the metaphor. <laughs> yeah, and now, and now he just looks at it every day, and he's like a lifetime yeah, contract for ten years. I, I did it. I did it. <laughs> I did it. Uh, Tim Stark for me, I, I sort of, I sort of did him in, in a similar vein in the sense that I think he's media savvy. Uh, I think he knew exactly what was going on around him. I think he also has a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say resentment towards the other guys, but he also feels like he's in the game with the other guys. You know, he's like, he's like a part of that same ilk, which is why Tim Stark to me is Rick Barnes. Um, and hear me out. So Rick Barnes uh and and jeff Lowe, who was bill self they they were a team at one point right they were going to build this new zoo they were going to go south they were going to make this thing happen right on oklahoma texas border it's going to be an amazing thing and let's just say it was the oh you know texas kansas whatever because we got bill self and we got rick barnes in this sense rick barnes kind of owned bill self a little bit like he kind of knew what was going on with bill self he kind of beat him up a few times uh and by this, I mean, I think he beat him like one time in 2011. Uh, but anyways, it didn't work out because they couldn't coexist and it all blows up. And Rick Barnes is, you know, kind of mad about it. But also he's like in a good spot, in a good situation. So he's kind of like laughing about it. But again, he wants to be one of those those guys in the game to be one of the people that can mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah. Tim Stark. Uh, I'm trying to think of the metaphor. What, what's the UCLA? What's the using UCLA to get leverage for Tennessee? metaphor with tim stark um mm. yeah i don't i don't know what that is maybe the new zoo is that and then yeah like he kind of i don't know the new the like where they wanted to put it yeah, yeah. but he kind of got screwed he on that screwed on so that, maybe yeah. i don't know yeah i, I it, it was more <laughs> it was kind of more of just like just one degree away yeah. you know like rick barnes to me is one degree away from like being a Roy williams or like one of those yeah. guys and he's just like not nah, yeah you know? it's like oh, okay go back to the bible yeah, they use the they use the <laughs> they use the roy god used the roy williams model when he was making rick barnes he just forgot to put that extra ingredient in there and spit him out and yeah he's close close <laughs> but not quite the yeah same. blue blood not quite the same <laughs> um all right can we do uh uh I want to do Travis. Can we do Travis? The uh, this is this is going okay. to be controversial. Yeah. This is like when when I was trying to sign this. Um, this so first of all, for for those of you that watch the show and forget all these guys' names, Travis was the uh, uh, other wife of Joe Exotic, second second husband. Yeah, yeah. He he was the young SoCal kid that went to to uh, uh, Oklahoma and then um, yeah, 
that and then everything ensued um but based on like travis's arc is wild and it's it's crazy and this the stuff i mean we don't have enough time to go over like all the the insane shit that that guy went through but um based on that i feel like there's no there's no coach you can assign to travis and 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 really justify it other than will wade that was that was how my brain worked and i'm gonna explain why because <laughs> <laughs> i feel like That's i feel like this is, this is the most insulting pick like somehow travis to me whoever you pick mm. for travis is more of an insult than any other guy on this board um but will wade is the young kid who dove headfirst into this <laughs> lifestyle and he quickly got in over his head and it swallowed him alive and i don't know i i, I feel like will wade is is in deep trouble and that that's kind of the metaphor i'm going with it's just like a young guy who's like "Ooh, i want to do that and then it's like instead of just kind of easing it in and feeling yourself out you just go for it and uh you probably shouldn't have done that that's my analysis <laughs> you probably shouldn't have done that and that is exactly why in, in the exact same uh description of who travis is to me i would agree with that wholeheartedly and that's why my pick is josh pastner and that's okay, why so you know, you josh pastner he he comes right into Memphis, you know what I mean? He learns from Coach Cal, like he learns how to do the Derrick Rose experiment, and then he basically is just given the reins, aka given the guns and the and the ammo to just like and all the weed he wants, and he's just like woo, you know, <laughs> full throttle, and uh, and and that is why it's Josh Pastor for sure to me. That, that's a that's good a pick. All right, pick. all right, two good picks. That's that's yeah, that's for good fantastic. reasons. Yeah. Uh, all right, who else we got here? Uh. Uh, I wanted to do Josh Dial, aka the yes. the hopeful the hopeful voice of reason. My pick for Joshua Dial is none other than. Did you see this? I can't believe this. I am outraged at you, uh, Jay Billis. Um, Jay Billis is the Josh Dial of my story. He is he is seeing he is seeing Rick Pitino and all these guys, you know, up close and personal. He knows exactly what is going on. He's told them to stop pointing the gun at him to you know stop kidding around that he's serious and that he will you know you know he doesn't like the feds <laughs> i don't like the feds but i'll call him out you know and that's why to me jay billis is perfectly joshua dial and people listening are going to say but he's not a coach to which you say yes he is he was he was in the coach <laughs> K, he was in yes, the coach gay harem as well yeah he, he was an assistant coach at duke yeah people forget jay billis used to be a coach um great pick i like it i like the logic it's sound my pick is uh, this one. This one was like the loosest connection for me. This one's the hardest one to justify. So I don't know. I'm going to do my best, but I went with Chris Mack and mm -hmm. my reasoning was this guy, Josh dial. Uh, he had a great gig at Walmart. He was a manager at Walmart. He had, he, he had a great situation, but along comes Joe exotic and is like, I need you to run my campaign. And, and Josh dial says to himself, that has always been my dream is to be a campaign manager. I, I I can't turn down this opportunity. What? I have to do this. Uh, in a similar vein, I think Chris Mack had a great setup at Xavier. He he was the manager <laughs> of his Walmart right there. He could have just stuck with that. And then the, those psychos at Louisville, in on the heels of the in the wake of the the Patino stuff, the Tom Jurich stuff, all that, they're like, Hey Chris Mack, why don't you come on down and coach in the ACC? And he's like, That's been my dream. <laughs> I can't turn it down. That's big money. My mm -hmm. wife's from there. Mm -hmm. this, this is too good to be true. And he gets down there, and now he's dealing with Jordan Mora, uh, who apparently, by all, all signs, basically, if you watch like more than one Louisville game this year, it kind of feels like he kind of hates Jordan Mora. <laughs> There's just too much drama that I don't feel like you have that at Xavier. I feel like you're flying a little bit more under the radar. It's a nice cush situation. And Chris Mack, 
I'm not saying he regrets it because of course he doesn't regret it, but he's just like, man, I wonder what my life would have been if I would have stayed at that Walmart and just kept running it, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't have this trauma. He said at one point, like I stayed at the place because of the trauma that I had. And that's never a good reason to tether yourself to anything. Uh, For the kids that are listening, do not tether yourself to trauma. That is never a good thing. Don't do that. Uh, Uh, We got one, two, three. We got five more to go. Let's let's get through this. All right. Let's run through them. So for, uh, for me, for Alan Glover, uh, this is uh, Mm. Jeff, Jeff Lowe's friend, right? His incarcerated friend that he uh, asked to come work on the farm with him, but he obviously is working strictly for Jeff. Um, and has no, you know, inclination to ever listen to Joe Exotic, um, which is the reason why I have picked a man by the name of Tim Jankovic, uh, the head coach now at SMU, a man that is a Larry Brown disciple who was working for Rick Pitino, who obviously was just listening to Larry Brown the entire time and figuring out his way to get to SMU. Um, and Joe Exotic, he knew he was right underneath him. Rick Pitino saw it, but he knew he had other loyalties and allegiances. Um, so Tim Jankovic to Larry Brown. Um, and that's why he's Alan Glover. That's a great pick. I'm going to make my explanation very simple. Alan Glover to me is a bag man who's willing to get his hands dirty. And it had, when you think bag man in college <laughs> basketball, you, and, and <laughs> your mind immediately goes to Jeff Capel. And uh, that's my pick, Jeff Capel, mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 sidekick bag man who he's moved on to bigger and better things. He's at Pitt now. He's he's running his own game up there. Um, this is like the equivalent of Alan Glover was was given like a big settlement and took his money and opened his own zoo. That's kind of what Capel has done. But uh, once upon a time, he was the bag man willing to get his hands dirty. That's my guy. That's my pick. Uh, should we go to, to Saf, who is the uh, the, the employees who arm, uh, her arm got ripped yeah, off? Yeah, let's do Saf. Yeah. Let's do Saf. Okay, so her, her arm is ripped off by a tiger. The news reports that this happened. They basically are threatening to shut down uh, the, the the GW Zoo uh, because of this incident. She hears about this and it says, basically, amputate my arm. I'm going back to work. Uh, probably against all the doctors that I know that live in the world uh, in modern times. They're probably like, that's probably not the best idea right now um, to go with a, a bleeding flesh wound and putting around tigers that have already ripped off uh, the normal arm. But regardless, she goes back. She keeps her head down. She keeps working. She's loyal to the game, which is why the only person I can put here is the man that we've had on this program, and that is Mick Cronin. He, he's got a similar nickname that pops Mick, Saf, mm. tough, gritty. If Mick Cronin's arm got ripped off uh, on a private jet on the way to a UCLA-Colorado game, you don't think he's going to coach that game? He's going to coach that game, folks. That's 100%. Um, and I feel the same mm. way about Saf. No, he had the heart thing at Cincinnati, remember? And he basically just tried to coach through it, and the doctors were like, yes. no, please yes. don't. Please don't do this. And he had to take the leave of absence. This is- for, yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like I like that pick. Um, I went I went a little more abstract with mine. You're you're more <laughs> to the point with your uh, arm getting cut off. He would still just coach through it. Mine to me, Saf was along with John Rinky. Saf was like one of the people you were cheering for by the end of it. You felt like she, she was a sane person. Um, all that kind of stuff. A, a voice of reason. Everything about that. Very easy to root for. But as you said, there is the one massive red flag, which is like you you come back to it, mm-hmm. you're like, but wait a second. She mm-hmm. got her arm bit off and she could have kept she could have saved it. She decided to cut it off because she wanted to protect <laughs> the tigers. She was back to work in five days. As much as as much as you want to make the argument that she's sane and like whatever, that there there is that one massive red flag. And for that reason, I picked Tony Bennett for this because everything <laughs> about Tony Bennett is exactly mm-hmm. the coach you want. 
everything from from his demeanor to his just the way he we had Kyle Guy on the program. He he raves about you know the relationship he has with Tony Bennett on the court, off the court. Like the guy is is a class act. He's the coach you want. He also lost to a 16 seed by 20 points, <laughs> and that is the equivalent of a tiger biting his arm off. Um, but then he got back in the game. He lost by 20 points. He said, amputate that some bitch. I'm getting back in there, and then he wins the national title. So uh, that is my big red flag was losing to the 16 seed, but he's still – like, in spite of all that, you're yeah, still Yeah, I will say it's more like a golden yeah. retriever ripping off his arm. Uh, that would be like losing to a 16 seed because it's so unprecedented that we, we had never yeah. seen anything like it before. <laughs> Um, but yes, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> there was anything. All right, two more picks, and then uh, we'll get the Hummel. Um, let's do Eric Cowie. I think is his name. He's the guy who had the long blonde hair, was always just kind of smoking a cigarette, wearing sunglasses a lot. Just seemed like a really cool dude. I'll just say my pick first because I don't really need to explain much more than that. My pick is Mike Bray. Uh, because Eric Cowie, he he had the whole demeanor of like, I'm just here for a good time. I saw this. I saw this ad in Craigslist. I answered it. Seemed like pretty dope thing. I've just stuck around mm-hmm. ever since then. I feel like that's Mike Brace. He was like, mm-hmm. I just got into coaching because it just like I had nothing else to do. This is pretty dope, man. I'm having a great time though. It's uh, I'm gonna stick with it until I'm not having fun anymore. And and that's why he's my pick for. And I could definitely see like Mike Bray on the meat truck, just you know finding lobster tails, crab legs, like you know a, a ribeye, whatever whatever it was in the mystery meat, and being excited <laughs> about it. You know what I mean? Like just just loving bologna. Um, all that sort of stuff. Uh, my pick is again relating back to the the story arc. Re- Rex Fluger of Vasturia. <laughs> all these guys are his are his Walmart meat. These are like like his recruits that he's yes. pulling in the the Matt Farrells, <laughs> the Bonzi yes. Colson. Rex Fluger yeah. was the last. Yeah, that was, that was the last yeah. in his class. These are his yes, Walmart exactly. Meat. Yes, John Mooney. John Mooney was the fat one. That was the last one. That was the that was the big fillet that he wanted. John Mooney. Uh, I, my pick here is, uh, again, relating back to Joe Exotic with just Rick Pitino, uh, a man that was there at the zoo, a man that saw it firsthand, a man that said, uh, literally in the documentary, I mean, I'm just glad I was here for this. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I'm just glad I was here for this. Kevin Keats was at Louisville. He was seeing Rick Pitino. He was seeing Exotic Joe, a.k.a. Joe Exotic, uh, losing his mind, going crazy, not really caring about you know, the Tigers as much, caring more about, you know, the, the, the new school buildings and everything that Tom Jurich was creating in the world of Louisville sports, I'm sure. And uh, poor Kevin Keats just sitting there, you know, head on the ground, just trying to take care of these kids. And now he's still got a, he's got a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's all thanks to, to Joe Exotic, but also he didn't need him, you know, in his mind, which is why it's a Kevin Keats model. I like it. All right, let's put a let's put a bow on all this and go with our final pick. Uh, it is Rick Kirkham, yes. I think is how you say his name. He is the guy that kind of looked like he was. He looked like <laughs> Phil Hartman playing a character that had like the yes. really raspy voice, but it was like mm-hmm. nasally at the same time. And he's always he's drinking a cup of coffee and just kind of yeah. He looked like an SNL character played <laughs> by Phil Hartman to me. Um, but his role was he was the guy who was filming a documentary. He was basically going to make mm-hmm. Tiger King himself. He was going to make it a reality show. And then Joe Exotic blows up the the warehouse with all of his footage in it. And he just, like, every time this man was on a screen, he just had this defeated look of, like, I can't believe I spent all this time. I had I had this empire in the palm of my hand, and it was taken from me. And, and just he just seems like he's full of resentment and all that kind of stuff. Um, so my pick for him is <laughs> Tubby Smith, who once upon a time had this, had this empire – he won a national championship at Kentucky. He was the king of Camelot. Mm-hmm. He was forced out. 
Then he was the king of Minnesota. He was forced out. Tubby Smith is like, he's a guy that is now landed at high point. He's trying to just get over the past. He's trying to live it all, like find his peace. He's in exile a little bit. That is what Rick was to me. He, he I think mm-hmm. he's like, like Norway, isn't he, or something like that? And he's trying to trying to find happiness over there. That's Tubby Smith to me. Once upon a time, he was on top. He had it all. It was all coalescing to this one moment in time. And then Joe Exotic burned his alligators and his footage down. While he was on <laughs> a, a trip to a marriage in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that all makes sense. Uh, I love yeah. that. that. That poor Tubby Smith. And it's funny because like I had Tubby Smith on my list earlier. Like, as just like I wanted to put him somewhere, you know, I'm just like I'm moving him around to like where can Tubby Smith fit because you know he's a part of this whole coaching tree with you know Rick Pitino and everything, and I ended up just cutting him from the list because I decided to right. add a man who uh, you know the, I'm gonna have to see if they'll let me the the Netflix Tiger King judges of this whole situation, but Rick Kirkham for me is a man who's been around for 40 years, a man who's been at you know ESPN for 40 years, a man that saw North Carolina Duke in the 80s, a man that saw the old Biggies, a man that's been cheerleading this whole. Mm-hmm exotic joe situation joe exotic situation the entire time uh from the sidelines saying he deserves another chance put him back in the game please please let this happen this is my million dollar man and that of course is dick vitale and dick vitale is uh rick kirkham he is reality tv he is what makes college basketball go he is the man behind the camera behind the camera behind the camera he is the loud obnoxious voice that you think of when you hear uh someone like Rick Pitino or any of these other guys I mentioned. And that is why he is the real reality. And that's why he's Rick Kirkham. Dick Vitale. That is unbelievable. Round of applause to you for the, this the narrative Tiger that King. you built. You started with Rick Pitino at the top. Yeah, that is fantastic. Well done. We did it. We made it to the finish line. Uh, that is, folks, that is quarantine content. Yes. That's what we call that right there. That is. Uh, you want to box it in. <laughs> that is what people are tuning in to hear. Yeah. Now we got some more. All right, we're gonna we're gonna uh yeah let's uh let's have Robbie on. This is a uh, we, we we talked to Robbie for a little while. Uh, we we like I said we went through all our our favorite individual NCAA tournament runs. Talked to him about um, guys he loves uh, that he played against. Uh, all sorts of stuff. We're gonna have him back on eventually to do like a real interview. But um, I don't know. Here it is, Robbie Hummel. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Indochino. Having clothes that fit just right can be a huge confidence booster. Isn't that right, Mark Titus? That's, that would be a huge confidence booster. It definitely booster. is, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it takes you to a whole other level. And with Indochino, you can have a completely custom suit made for you at a ready-to-wear price. Uh, you know, we were offered the opportunity to go to a showroom. We were going to get fitted. We were going to have nice suits. In fact, we could have been guys like Robbie Hummel. We could have had suits on, uh, talking about college basketball, but we weren't able to. You know what I mean? So... For now, you know, we're just looking because on because you know what happens. You know what happens if you go to the showroom, Tate, and you and you go through the Indochino process right now. You're part of the problem, and I don't want to be part, of, part the of the problem. Exactly. Stay at home. Mm-hmm. Stay at home. But you know, keep looking online and finding great Indochino clothes because Indochino helps you create a suit made for you, measured for your body, fitted for your personality, and customized for your style. If you're ready for a wardrobe overhaul, Indochino sells custom shirts blazers and chinos too as a special extra for your one-of-a-kind suit enter promo code tate oh wow t-a-t-e at checkout for 30 dollars off your next suit minimum purchase supplies again that's indochino.com promo code tate and now a man that probably has plenty of indochino suits courtesy of all the many companies he works for the lowe's most improved player of the year 2012 i'm not even sure if that's the right title but we'll say that robbie hummel all right, joining us now is a man that we've been trying to have on the podcast for 
years and years and years and he keeps mm-hmm. saying no and uh tate we finally um realize in this quarantine state that he can't say no because just like everyone else he has nothing else to do so we we have him finally at long last it is the 2012 low senior class award winner his yes. name is robbie hummel and he's joining us now robbie where first of all where are you quarantined i'm in la same city you guys are so it's uh at least we're in good weather you can like go for a walk <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like uh this is like around the horn where like we're all pretending to be in different cities and we're like <laughs> what if we're all actually in the same house right now and the show yes. ends and we like Robbie gets up to go to the bathroom and he walks behind Tate and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone watches just so confused. <laughs> oh, that's how man. it works. That's how we keep the synergy. Um in the era of social distancing, we can't be doing that though. So yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we're staying at home. Stay at home, guys. Robbie, Robbie promised us he would come on uh, Final Four week because uh, we were going to be calling this three-on-three thing together that we've done the last two years. So it technically is Final Four week, even though the Final Four is not. Has the three-on-three thing been officially canceled? Because we got to postpone. <laughs> we got the email that said it was postponed. <laughs> and I never got the follow-up. I don't know. I don't know if they actually <laughs> pulled the trigger and said, this is done. It was never actually said. It's, it's indefinite. It could maybe happen in July. Yeah, it could happen knows? in September. Who knows? You know, we do miss... We get bored with baseball just in the summer, so if this thing goes away sometime, maybe three x three U just happens. Uh, I, I will I say start. They're definitely go ahead. Nate. They're definitely building the court. They're building the court in Atlanta right now. That's for sure. Like there, there are people on the ground with three x three U with bags of fake money just waiting for us, being like, "Where are they?" Our production yeah, meeting was last night. And all that stuff. Yeah, they're, they're, and yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah, you'll exactly. still you'll still find a way to be late, Tate, because that's been every yeah, no, year. Hey, oh, that's what God. you got to do. That's, we're in the Dos Equis lounge. Like, we got like five minutes of airtime. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of three on three, I want to start here, Robbie. Um, you are a three on three legend. Uh, you you have somehow become, you're, you're currently wearing, for those of you listening and not watching, Robbie has got his Team USA quarter zip on uh, mm. because he won. Because I haven't done laundry. He's I won every clean clothes. But... Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. He's won. Uh, <laughs> He's won every everything there is to win in three on three already, except for Olympic gold medal. And the Olympics get canceled, and that um, that's that sucks. So first of all, sorry about that. But how to explain explain to our listeners how this happened? How did you become the three on three guy? How did you get named twenty nineteen USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year? <laughs> well, for starters, the five on five World Cup team played really bad. That that really set the table for me to have a chance yeah. to win that award. Um, we ended up we won the gold medal at the World Cup for three on three. Um, I got into it. Remember Craig Moore? Craig played at Northwestern when we mm-hmm. were when you were at Ohio State yeah. when I was at Purdue, and he, we became friends from playing against one another. And I, I we'd talk a good amount. Like when I was in the NBA, he'd text me if I'd have a good game or if I didn't get to play, he'd hit me up. And even when I was in Europe, like he works on Wall Street. And he's one of those guys that every like Monday and Thursday, he checks box scores for all of his friends that are playing. So, and for the European basketball schedule, you usually play Sunday and like Wednesday or Thursday. So it, it works out to where he'd see kind of at least your numbers for all those games. He'd always hit me up and I, you know, got hit up. by him in the summer of, I want to say it was now 2017. And I, I basically made up my mind that I was going to do TV. I was going to announce games, work for ESPN, the Big Ten Network and, and hanging up playing five on five because I was in Russia, man. And every day I, I freaking hated it. So um, mm-hmm. I, I decided to, to hang it up. And Craig was trying to convince me to still play. He was like, dude, nine to five jobs suck. Do not do this. Like, you, you should not retire. 
And I told him, you know, it's not a traditional nine to five that I've kind of got lined up here. I think I have a pretty good opportunity in TV, so I'm going to do it. And from that, he was like, you know, why don't you come play three on three with us? And I was very skeptical, um, but I'd played basketball in Russia. So I'd seen things that did not make economic sense occur. Like I'd seen where our <laughs> team budget was 30 million euros and we have 800 fans at the game. And no one watching on TV. So it's like, how do you how do you make that make sense? And the answer is, well, the owners are washing their money. But this is one of those deals where we were lucky. There's a man named Judgers. He could pull up with like Craig Robinson, who's Barack Obama's brother-in-law, and Arnie Duncan, who was the Secretary of Education under Barack Obama. He he played at Princeton and he loves three on three. He's the CEO of Aerial Investments. He's done very, very well. Um, and he, he like played in all the shoot the bulls in the Chicago stadium parking lot. And he played three on three and he's in his probably mid to late fifties now, but he still likes to play and he, he loves to watch. So he was making this financially possible where, mm-hmm. you know, once you get in the top 10 and three on three FIBA and USA basketball will really pick up a lot of the costs, whether that's travel, um, or if you get there a day early, they'll pick up your hotel. The events actually pay for your hotels and food, um, but John made it possible for us to actually start doing this, make our way into the top 10. And that's kind of how it went. I honestly started playing because I'd never been to South Korea. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll go just because of that, because I'll, I've never been to Asia. So, <laughs> because Now I'm 40 events deep. Um, but that's kind of how it all went down. Craig just kind of was on me and they needed a body. And I was like, well, I've never been to Seoul, so I'll go. You just wanted a free trip to South Korea. Robbie, do you, do you want out of it at this point? Is this like, is some part of you like, I, I've, I'm, I've bitten off more than I can chew. How did you become like, I guess my question too is uh, what, what is it about you? Uh, and we'll get to this draft thing. Cause we, we have an idea. We we want to, we want to rip through with you, but how did you, how would you describe like why you're so good at three on three? Like why you're the guy, why, why the USA team's so good and you're the guy that makes them go. What is it about your skill set? Explain to people why, why you work so well, put your analyst cap on and analyze yourself. <laughs> You know, I, I think you look at like our, our World Cup team and everybody was was really good. Like Kenyon Barry is a really good player. He plays in the G League. Um, Kareem Maddox is a guy that I think from a talent perspective probably should still be playing like Euro League basketball. But for whatever reason, that didn't work out for him. And um, he he retired to produce podcasts. <laughs> so but he's like Kareem is is really, really talented. Um, and then Damon Huffman's a, a really good player in, in his own right. So he played overseas for a couple of years. Um, I think the key to three on three is being versatile. Like if you, if you can drill pass and shoot and you have good size, you could be a really effective player. So I think you have to understand there's some weird nuances that would never work in five on five that will work in three on three. Um, but it's, it's a fun way to play. It's fast paced. Um, I, I really, I'm glad the Olympics weren't canceled. They were just postponed a year. Um, cause I do think this sport has a real chance to be very popular in the Olympics. Now, I don't know if it will be a sport where you can make like serious money, um, as a individual mm-hmm. player playing it. But I do think that like a lot of Olympic sports, like people watch curling, you know, like when do you ever watch curling mm-hmm. outside of the Olympics? You don't like, or gymnastics or, mm-hmm. or any sport, speed skating. Um, but when the Olympics are on, people are tuned into that stuff. So I, I think three on three will be really popular. Um, but it's, you know, I, I, for a while it was like, man, this is so me, right? Like something starts going really good you're close to it. And then some catastrophic thing happens and it's just like, 
but at the end of the day, you know, it's postponed. You still have an opportunity to play. Um, so it's, it's all good. Has that happened before with you? Do you have a history of that or something? I didn't, I didn't understand what the. Well, you know, I, I did blow my knee out twice in college when we were, you should have seen the way we were beating Ohio state too. It was <laughs> Titus was crying on the bench and you know, no, you guys, like, how do we stop? It's not guys? true. You, I'll never forget you. Uh, it was, it was at the barn, right? It was in Minnesota. Cause we were tracking. Cause we, we there's big 10. I, I think I've told you this in private. Um, and it's, it's one of the great shames I carry with me in my life that, uh, when you blew out your knee, my first thought was like, oh, so we're going to win the Big Ten now. My thought was not like, oh, shit, I feel for Robbie. My thought was like, I know. Oh, we they're going we to blow it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were playing so well. Like, we were really, and we were really yeah. good. And you guys were really good. Michigan State was really good. It, the fact that we all shared it is, you know, it's whatever. But we all know that had that not happened, we probably would be the lone Big Ten. I know. You guys. Well, been, who knows? So. I, I'm sorry for being an asshole and, and making that my first priority, but you have to understand, Robbie. <laughs> okay. You have to understand how much I've milked that Big Ten title. You know, having two of them is uh, very, very important to me. So, <laughs> but you played um, so many big minutes in those games. So. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, every single time that we have a conversation, it's Robbie and Mark Titus talking about Big Ten games from like 2008 to 2012. <laughs> And, yeah. and you know you never time. think that it would yeah you would never think it would have this much heat behind it you're like wow I didn't know Purdue and Ohio State I didn't know it was such a budding affair the sad <laughs> thing was all my teammates were reading Titus's stupid ass blogs they'd be one arm embracing <laughs> him after the game which is you know it's fine uh, every every conversation Robbie and I have goes the exact same way at some point the the Evan Turner Robbie Hummel game gets brought up where where Robbie mm. had 29 at halftime and hit eight threes. And then yeah. I asked Robbie what happened in the second half. And then he's like, God damn it. I scored 35 points and you didn't see the floor yet. Your team won. <laughs> so you get the upper hand on this argument. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to do this with you in honor of, uh, in honor of the, the time you almost single-handedly took down Kansas in honor of uh, mm. you being a Purdue guy. And last year we saw one of the great individual tournament runs with Carson Edwards. Um, we wanted to go through and do a draft of the best, NCA the individual NCA tournament run. So uh, the, the premise is we're we're picking players who basically went nuts in a single NCA tournament, and we're we're gonna do a draft because I don't want everyone to have the same list because I feel like if we did a top five, okay. there'd be some overlap. So we gotta uh, we gotta fight for uh, you know certain draft picks, and and someone will take someone else's pick, and that's the way a draft works. We all know how a draft works. Um, so that's what we're doing today in the name of content. We're going to let Robbie, we're going to let Robbie go first, Tate, right? He's the guest. Are we snaking it? Is yeah, that the plan? That's fair. Yeah. How, how many picks do we get? He's we're doing, we're doing five. Picks. We're doing five. Okay. This is going to sound Starting super five. biased, but I, I'm, I'm going to go Carson Edwards. Like you have God 40 damn. on the national champ. You have 40 twice. You average 34 a game mm -hmm. for the whole tournament. I mean, that's crazy. Like having a having a twenty five point game in the NCAA tournament is like fantastic. So I, I'm going to go Carson. That sounds super biased, but it's really not. It, he had he had twenty eight threes in four games, Robbie. Yeah, I mean, it, just, just what he was doing, what he did at the Yum Center against Virginia. Like, nobody does that to that Virginia team. Like you've got you've got everybody taking a turn. Kyle Guy's taking a turn. Ty Jerome's taking a turn. D'Angelo Hunter's taking like didn't matter. It was ever anybody that guarded him got it. It's that that was one of the games. I mean, Virginia hits the the Diakite hits the shot. Obviously, Virginia ends up winning. Virginia wins the title. 
Um, I still, when I think of the Virginia Purdue game, I don't think of the Diakite shot, which is like the most one, one of the craziest shots, one of the craziest sequences we've seen in the NCAA tournament. Under any other circumstances, you bring up that game, like of course you would think of that shot first. And Carson Edwards was right. so good that like when you mentioned that game to me, I'm like, yeah, it was the Carson Edwards game, and they no lost. Doubt. And yeah, yeah, is Purdue cursed? By the way, do you feel like Purdue's cursed? <laughs> it feels like it, right? At times, <laughs> it really does. All right, that's a good first pick. Go ahead, Tate. Well, I was going to say, uh, just in Purdue's you know, case, this is the year that you hang up a banner and you say we would have won the national championship this season, you know, because anyone could be a national champion. So just say it this year, 2020 they already, national champion. They already did we it in 1932, should. so why not? What's going to do it again? Do it again. <laughs> that was for Bill Titus right there. We love that. All right, my number one pick, uh, 2002. <laughs> Uh, a Maryland Terrapin and a guy by the name of Juan Dixon. And uh, my, my number one pick, my top tourney run, 155 points. Uh, the reason that mattered was the year before, Jay Williams had 154 points. So we got one more than Jay, mm. and he got a tournament. Uh, and uh, the Terps were back. So, yeah, Juan Dixon. That's a good pick. That uh, that breaks my heart that they beat Indiana in the title game. But, um, I you know, I respect it. Juan Dixon's also yes. one of those guys, too. We were talking about it on the last show that he's like a, a college legend. And, you know, he did play in the mm-hmm. NBA. But, like, when you hear Juan Dixon, you immediately – like, when you hear about Steve Blake, you might not think about his college career, per se, because he was – he had a pretty good NBA career. But Juan Dixon was so great. They, they were loaded, career. though. Their front yeah. court was was really good with, like, they Lonnie were Baxter good. and those guys. Lonnie like, Baxter, really Chris Wilcox. Yep. Wilcox, yeah, they were good. All right, Titus, your pick. All right, so how does this work? I get two? Yes. I'm going with my first pick is Larry Bird. It has to be. Um <laughs> I don't even care what the I don't even care what the draft is. I'm picking Larry Bird. I don't care if we were doing uh best anything. I probably am picking Larry Bird first. Can you name who the coach was of Indiana State? Can you name a single player in can you name another coach other than John Wooden who, who used to coach at Indiana State? Tate, do you know anybody that affiliated with Indiana State ever in the history of the program? No, no, not one, except for everyone that Bill not. Titus told me about and you told me about and Robbie told me about. This is the definition of a guy carrying a team. He's carried a program, not only that season, not only that era, but like the entire program is Larry Bird. And for that reason, he's my number one pick beyond mm-hmm. the fact that like he averaged like 27 and 14 and five assists and Indiana State was undefeated with Larry Bird and a bunch of scrubs. Everyone pretends like magic had no help, but he had Kelser on his team who was a senior and was great. I think he was a senior. Um. And he had Heathcote, who was like actually a good coach. Larry Bird. No one knows anything about Indiana State other than Larry Bird, so he's my number one pick. That's a uh, respect to his run. Um, my my next pick. I'm going. Um, let me see here. I got to look at the big board. I'm going with Bo Kimball because I feel like Tate wants to take him. So I'm just, I'm do, I'm playing a little defense. I'm taking Bo Kimball before Tate can take him. Um, Average 36 points per game in an Elite Eight run. It's it's historic. He shot the left-handed free throws. That has to add a little bit to it. Never missed a left left-handed free throw, by the way, in, in honor of Hank Gathers. Shot left lefty throughout the tournament. Never missed a single one. Um, and also averaged thirty-six points per game. I know it was kind of in, kind of uh, artificially inflated because of how they played, but still. Um, yeah, I don't know that the ninety the nineteen ninety LMU run is historic. Everyone remembers it. And Bo Kimball averaged thirty-six points a game during the run. So he's. He's on my hey, list, b- yeah. before Tate goes, before pick. Tate goes, I th- we talked about this earlier. Are we? We're not picking like Kemba and Carmelo are off limits, right? Is that what we said? Or are they on? <laughs> no, limits? they're on, they're in. No, 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 they're on limit. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Huh? Okay, maybe that changes Tate's picks. <laughs> they're on the list. They're available. 
No, I know. Just it's a little on the nose. But also, we should point out, like you know, the the fact that you think Bo Kimble Titus is on my list, I really appreciate that. That you think that I'm just like working that far back. I'm like, you know what? Like Bo Kimble, that's the one that's gonna really get him. Uh, right now, my pick, and this is probably gonna shock some people. Uh, it's gonna be Stephen Curry, and this is 2008. Dang run. it! That's what and I was gonna this take. Is, yeah, see, this, this is my this is my top five individual tourney runs for myself, you know, for what wowed me. Because we remember this, Robbie. We remember the Nike Witness t-shirts, you know. We remember Georgetown going down to Raleigh, North Carolina, to Stephen Curry in his home state, to all the ACC schools that were like, this kid's not good enough, and he's just hitting threes in a building, making people go crazy. Carolina fans, state fans, people were watching. It was a whole moment, and uh, it was a great run. He should have beat Kansas. Um, but for me, Stephen Curry, Adam of the team. How do you how do you reconcile Curry uh, passing up the final shot against Kansas though? Your thoughts, Tate? Uh, he's a team first guy. You know what I mean. Like if if LeBron's gonna get credit for making the basketball play, you know what I mean. Sometimes you gotta make the basketball play, and that's what Steph did. I'm mad at Steph for passing, not only because like the guy mm. he threw it to was never making it. Like I would rather Steph never. shoot it with two guys on him than another a teammate shoot it wide open. But also, I don't know if you remember this, Tate. Gus Johnson was calling that game, and. You could tell that Gus thought this was this was the moment. Like Gus, like if you yes. go back and rewatch like the final possession, this man <laughs> is like just building up. He's like, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry's about to hit this three to beat Kansas, and then he passes the ball and he he robs us of an all time Gus Johnson moment. If he shoots like a one legged fadeaway at the buzzer, it banks in to beat Kansas. I don't know what Gus would have done, but yeah. So I, I I have to dock Steph a little bit for that. It was a great run, but like you got to see it through to the finish line. Okay. This is probably I, I a, a Big that. Ten bias comment, but I remember the Wisconsin game the most because I just remember watching it mm. at our apartment and being like, he is murdering these guys that we play twice a year. <laughs> like, it was crazy. Yeah. He, he he was balling. That's, I, I get what you're saying, that he probably should take the last shot, but it was a heck of a run. He, he was killing one thing I love about you, Robbie, by the way, if I can just interject here again, is you you genuinely do love watching other guys play great. I'm not even kidding. This no, is like, it sounds like I'm joking. Like Every time I talk to you about like guys you played against, there, no part of you is like, man, screw Evan Turner for beating us that one day or whatever. You're just like, dude, he is No, you got to appreciate him for what he was yeah. or, or anybody that was. Like, Is there is there anybody you hated Evan that you Turner. played against that was great? No, not not that it was great. It was more the guys that probably weren't as good that would play in a way that like, you know, they're they're cheap shot artists or they talk a bunch of trash yeah. or like there were some guys in the big you can Ten, say I think it. when we were around. Like I'm trying to think who would be the perfect example that I never will see again. There's just some guys where you'd be like, dude, you're not good. And the way that you're playing is so like either you're going out of your way to to like trip people or or whatever like those are the guys i didn't like when i was playing just say just mm. say matt howard and we can move on no i love matt howard <laughs> he, dude, he was on our matt was on our indiana all-star team mm. first of all our indiana all-star team was loaded jeff t eric gordon etuan moore juan johnson me matt howard <laughs> scott martin like we were we mm. played kentucky whose That's best ridiculous. player was preston Knowles, and mm. matt was like matt's a, he, he's a little like He's really funny. He's definitely from um, Connorsville, Indiana. But, dude, that dude could play. And he played so hard. Like, he was a beast. I, I love Matt Howard. See, that's what I mean. Rob, if, if you're if you're that excited about Matt Howard, you just love everybody. That's what I'm saying. You just love everybody because there's so many people listening, rolling their eyes. So many people listening or rolling their eyes who just watched that 
They just watched that 2010 Duke Butler game on CBS the other day, and they're just like, "Get that guy out of my face!" I hate Matt. Yeah. yeah he, the best story I have about Matt Howard, though, really quick. We we were playing them at DePaul camp, Super Hoops, in like 2004 or five. We were young. We were like freshmen and sophomores, and we had a senior on my team. His name is John Hanselman. Ended up being like a Division three All American. He sees Matt warming up. And Matt's got, like, hair just going everywhere. Like, he moves kind of goofy. But, like, if you've seen Matt Howard play, he was really athletic in high school. Like, and even in college, like, he had some bounds. So, first play of the game, we're, we're in our huddle, and our center's like, dude, I'm, watch what I'm about to do to this little sophomore. I'm about to murder this dude. First play of the game, alley-oop dunk. Matt Howard hangs, little, literally hanging all over his face. Like, it was a crazy dunk. <laughs> totally punked our dude out. I was like, dude, who is this guy? That's he just man. He played so hard, and he was a pretty good athlete. He he was a really good player. Mm-hmm. Man, all right, all right. I love that all for right, Matt man. Howard. I hope he's ne- I hope he's <laughs> your next pick, Robbie. Please. No, he's not. Tate will love this. I'm going Christian Leitner. And I think even though he had so many dudes, even though he had a ton of dudes, you think about the so Kentucky game. You go, you uh-huh. go ten for ten from the field. You go ten for ten from the line, and pre- maybe the greatest college basketball game that's ever been played. And you end up winning back-to-back national titles. He averaged 20 a game on 12 shots in the NCAA tournament. I think Christian Leitner is a pretty solid pick. Fun fact about that. Even though uh, I know, I can tell you want to, you want to hate on that. He did not win. I don't don't think it was the greatest game ever. I just will say that it was an elite eight game. (laughs) Yes. It was a great pass. Yes. It was a great shot, but it was, it was ever. There's a lot of great games. There's a lot of great games. What Ever. what game? You know he better? didn't win a he didn't win most outstanding player in the 2016 final title game. Wild. 2016 title did Bobby, game. Is did Bobby Hurley win it? Did Bobby Hurley? Yeah, win? I think so. Yeah, Hurley won most outstanding player, which is wild because Leitner was yeah. This is one of those because I, I think Leitner had a bad game in the final four game. I think he was good in the title game, but like didn't play right. great in the final four game. And most outstanding player goes to like the whole final four. So it's one of those weird oddities that like all anyone remembers from '92 is. Leitner, basically, but I mean it's an iconic show. What if it's a cave? What if what if it was a cave move where he nominated he nominated Hurley and he didn't nominate Leitner like he did with the uh, Vernon Carey? <laughs> and Josh maybe that, that's, maybe that's what happens in college sports. What Tate? What is the ACC doing? How is that a rule? Look, let the ACC live. And also, I will say this: like Christian Leitner had a horrible first oh half in the '92 title game, and Bobby Hurley, Bobby Hurley was the one that sparked him at halftime, and he grabbed him by his jersey and said, "What are you doing?" How are you letting Chris Weber punk you? How are you letting Jawan Howard punk you? Get back to the fundamentals. Yeah, Triple threat position. And he went out there and he won, and he won a title. Yeah, I know. Bob, Bobby Hurley deserves the credit. What's more embarrassing for the ACC, that their conference player of the year wasn't even the best player on his team, or that they gave the ACC tournament trophy to Florida State, <laughs> even though Florida State didn't play a second. That was pretty hilarious, tournament. too. But that 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 was awesome. They had those dudes on the floor. They were like, "We don't know if we should like. We don't know what we should be doing." That's yeah. You guys are in shambles right now. Too. Yeah, I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> no, in Hamilton, he deserves it. That was like a tip of the cap. You just give him the title. You're just like, there you go, Litter. You deserve it. All right, Robbie gets another pick. Do I get another pick? Right. All right. Yeah, um, go I'm going Kemba Walker since I'm allowed to draft him. Just the the run mm-hmm. he had um, from the conference tournament on. Man, I feel bad for my guy. Gary McGee was on my AU team. And I and mm-hmm. Gary's a good player and became a good player at Pitt, like a really solid big. 
But, man, Jamie Dixon switching those ball screens, and you're telling him to guard a dude like Kemba Walker. Like, Gary's 6'11", 280 pounds. Like, of course he's going to freaking fall down. Like, what do you expect to happen? Um, but, yeah, the, the run that he had, like, in the, the championship game wasn't good, which is disappointing. But, dude, he was killing. Like, I, you have to give props to Kemba Walker for that because that, that's that was like an otherworldly performance to will your team all the way to win it all. Yeah, that's a great pick. Kimba, I thought, uh, I can't believe he lasted this long, to be honest. This was, Robbie, to be yeah. fair, didn't realize we could pick him. When I said, uh, this is why we're doing the draft, though, because I figured, like, if we did a top, if we each did our own top five, I feel like we'd all have Kimba on there. And I just didn't feel like yeah. rehashing it three different times was, you know, it's better to draft. So, Robbie, you're the big winner. You get Kimba. Congratulations. Nice. Yeah, way to go. Uh, so it's me now, right? I'm up. Yeah, go I'm ahead. Back. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm looking for my small forward, uh, my number three spot on my team. And that, of course, is, uh, 2003 Carmelo Anthony uh mm. he's drafted put him in place uh this man scored 33 points against Texas uh that was not the national championship game that was in the final four game this man shot 48 percent from the three-point line in the tournament uh that's unheard of and basically every game I watched it was all right it's ISO it's Carmelo Anthony there's uh, two guys on him and he rises up and somehow it goes in and I felt like that was the whole tournament and then they go to the you know the national championship game uh, and it's Roy Williams, my future head coach, coming to North Carolina, you know, you know, crying about Kirk Heinrich and Nick Collison. And then my boy Carmelo Anthony just comes in the clutch and as a freshman, hits all the big shots, gets the big win for Bayheim, proves that the zone defense sort of works sometimes, I guess, if you have Carmelo Anthony, and proves he's a champion in the NBA. So uh, that's, my, that's my number three pick, uh, Carmelo Anthony. Has, the, has there ever been another NBA Hall of Famer? Carmelo's going to make the Hall of Fame, right? Like, of course. Has there ever been yes. Yes. another guy who's, like, had a Hall of Fame career in the NBA yet is still remembered for one season in college? I mean, it's it's staggering. <laughs> it's staggering when you think about it. Like, he was so dominant yeah. and so and, – and, and carried Syracuse, and, and, and this was, like, before the one-and-done thing. I mean, other guys have been one-and-dones, but he kind of – history books – feel like he he invented it just because of the season he had um it's pretty insane to think about that because like i don't know that that's that's going to be his legacy is like one year at syracuse even though he's been like a hall of fame player in the nba it's crazy and everyone's looking for that same one and done guy oh. everyone's looking for that one small forward to come in and like hit those shots and and kind of take them over you know the hump or whatever we've seen people try duran almost did but he lost to nick young and usc like anthony davis did it in 2012 but that was like on defense more than offense and we never like Wiggins was never mm -hmm. able to do that. Jabari Parker couldn't do it. You know, what I mean, we've seen all the wings try, but Carmelo is like the only one that did it. I do think that Carmelo's legacy does have some Olympic ties to it, though. I do think that he gets yeah, credit true. for being one of the elite Olympic basketball players of our of our time, and maybe in the history of USA basketball, honestly. Said while wearing the Team USA quarter zip. That's great. Good. Yeah. Uh <laughs> right. All right, my pick. Uh, Carmelo's off the board. I'm going. All right, this might be a little bit of a wild card, but I don't think so. Um, he's he's at the top of my big board currently. It is Blake Griffin in 2009. Uh, takes Oklahoma all the way. To, he's a national player of the year in 09. Loses in the Elite Eight to your Tar Heels, Tate. But he kind of won. It was another one of those situations like Steph Curry, like Carson Edwards, where you lose in the Elite Eight, but you still come out a winner because he ate Tyler Hansborough's lunch from start to finish. Um, it was the matchup of the last two players of the year. And Hansborough had like eight and six or something. And and Griffin went absolutely nuts. He went uh, in the four games he played, he averaged 28 and a half points, 15 rebounds, 2.3 assists and shot 80% from the field. 
<laughs> in four games. And then and then capped it off by just absolutely destroying Hansborough, even though Oklahoma lost. So uh I'm putting Griffin on I'm putting Blake Griffin on my list. We we played them at the garden that year. And before the game, Paint came in the locker room and was like, You guys have to understand this guy is Carl Malone. And we were all like, Dear God. Like, cause you know, think about like in our era, like you saw him playing the finals and stuff in 97, 98. And we literally yeah. did not guard his brother. Jawan Johnson guarded Blake Griffin. I guarded Taylor and I double teamed Blake the whole game. He had 22 and 19. Like he literally <laughs> was being double teamed the entire game and had 22 and 19. It worked in his favor that Taylor was there because it was like he had his brother, and that was like the only guy he could rely on. It was like, man, this guy is carrying this whole team, and the only guy he can rely on is his brother that's not as good. You know what I mean? And it was like – They did it. They it had, was like, Willie it was like, Warren was a pretty good player too. Willie Warren Willie, was good. He was a yeah, little yeah, inconsistent, yeah. and then they had like role guys, but Blake was certainly the the centerpiece and maybe some <laughs> of the side pieces too. But Willie Warren yeah, was, he was, a, oh, he was a good college player. Oh, man. Um all right, I get I get another pick, right? Uh, let me see here. Uh, shoot, 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 shoot. All right, I feel like I'm taking. I feel like <laughs> I don't know. I need to spice mine up. Is Tom Coverdale still going to be left though? That's the question. If I don't take him now. Oh my god. Uh, all right. Yes, he will be. He will be around. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> Tom Coverdale will be available. You all don't right. Have to worry on that one. I have to. I I have to take Danny Manning in 1988 because I feel like if. If we're being objective, that might be the best. The objective might not be the the sexiest pick, but that's like maybe objectively the best instance of one guy carrying a team. Uh, they win the title. They were a six seed, I believe. Kansas was a six seed. Um, had an unbelievable Final Four, 25-10 and seven against Duke in the Final Four, and then puts up thirty-one and eighteen against Oklahoma in the title game. Um, I don't know, Danny. Danny and the miracles. That's like still like a to me. That is the the example used. I mean, Kimba Walker is the newest version of this, but for the old school, the old heads out there, like the instance of one guy carrying a team to the title is Danny Manning in 1988. So I gotta I gotta pick him if he's still on the board. I don't necessarily want to. I wanted to go something sexier, but that's what I'm doing. Is it Robbie's turn? No, it's you, Tate. Uh, I think it's your turn, Tate. Oh. It- Oh, wow. It's my turn. Okay. Well, great. So perfect. Uh, coming up for us, he's another guard. And uh, we're very excited about him being on our team because he took a Memphis Tiger team uh, to the national championship game. And he did it uh, really a- as a one-man band. And uh, that is a man by the name of Derek Rose, the youngest MVP in the NBA, uh, but also a man that took the Memphis Tigers. Yeah, look at Robbie. You don't even know that. Do you the think he was on a one-man band? Yeah, I'm, I'm I with, think I'm he was a one-man band. One man. They were CDR was awesome, and what was the power forward? Sure, sure. Really good player in college. Not a great NBA player. All right, Derrick Rose still took the Memphis Tigers, the 2008 Memphis Tigers, to that title game. I mean, Derrick's an awesome player, but beyond awesome, Derrick Rose. That's my pick. I, I've never been in a draft room where the opposing GMs can start arguing against the picks. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, don't make stupid picks then. <laughs> All right. That was that was not the best pick, but uh, is it my turn? <laughs> All right. Yes. Not a great pick. Not a great. I'm, I'm with Robbie on this one. Go ahead, Robbie. My pick's going to be hated on two. Um, so I've got two right here. So I'm... I want to pick somebody from Florida, but they all kind of like killed each other's stats. So I'm going to go Corey Brewer because I love him and he's the man. And they they won back to back titles. Why? Why would you no do statist- that? I have no statistical yeah. evidence to back up that Brewer deserves, it other than he is a tight dude and he's an awesome guy to play with. Even though you could probably <laughs> work him out in a workout 
and you'd be like, he doesn't really dribble that good. He doesn't really shoot that good, but he's a really good NBA player. Like he he's really good in his role mm-hmm. as an NBA player. So I'm going to go with Brew for my fourth pick. And my fifth one is Bryce Drew because this is my list and I can do whatever <laughs> I want. And he made an awesome shot. I was in third grade. I remember where I was, what I was holding, who I was standing next to. And he made my childhood great by doing that. So Bryce is my fifth pick. Uh, all right, Tate, your turn. Your last pick. Yeah. My final pick, and this was a uh, yeah, tugs the heartstrings just like Robbie just did. 2005, Sean May. Uh, he has Indiana ties because of Scott May, uh, obviously, but Sean May with his dad there watching, making the run, beating the Illinois team, uh, kind of getting the monkey off Roy Williams' back after we just saw him two years before, you know, lose with that Kirk Heimer Kansas team. Uh, you know, have have a big man like Sean May wearing 42 for North Carolina doing big things. Uh, it's a beautiful moment. So that's my top five. Sean May, he was the MOP Final Four 2005. All right. All right. Fine. That's my lock. Out out the entire Illinois team. Um that that's one I wish we could go back. We should do a podcast where we go back and assign who should have won the title, not based on like not based on anything other than just like it would have been more fun if that team won. Like 2005 Carolina. That's not fun. It would have been so much <laughs> oh, more it was, fun. It was so much fun. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Raymond Felton, Rashad McCants. <laughs> Jawad Williams. It would have been so much better. They, they, they were a they were a legit champion though. Like they yeah they had five dudes that were NBA players, and I mean Illinois was awesome, and the way they played was awesome. Their guards just balled mm-hmm. out, but Carolina yeah. had good players too. No, I, I don't mean Carolina Thank wasn't you, deserving. It's just like it would have been more fun if Illinois won in history to to look back on that. Same mm-hmm. with same with Gonzaga beating Carolina in seventeen. That would have been more fun. No way. This would have been more Car- fun. Carolina lost on a buzzer beater the year before, then came back and won a title. Titus is saying Carolina <laughs> never deserves to win. Never win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never fun. Yeah, that's Whenever a, that's never a, that's had a fun. It's a very Duke outlook. It's like college basketball. What can you do? What can you do? All right. Well, screw it. If you guys are spending your last picks on personal picks, then I'm really doing it. I'm picking Tom Coverdale. Not the flashiest yeah. stats. Not Shocker the best that stats. He's still around. <laughs> his his 2002 run was not the greatest on an individual perspective until you factor in did Robbie he, did he, he sprain his ankle like really bad he had a bum like, ankle think about the stats <laughs> think about the stats he would have put yeah. up with a healthy ankle uh You're he did right. nothing in the do game for like 36 minutes and then the last four minutes he came alive with like two assists and it was like yes honestly tommy AJ Moy tommy tough nuts is, is back yeah AJ no you know what you know what that's a good point take it back uh I'm cheating. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the uh, the Maui Invitational move where they gave the '87 Iowa team the whole MVP. I'm making my personal pick: the 2002 Indiana Hoosiers. <laughs> That's that funny. entire I did team. That pretty much Corey Brewer. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a fair. Yeah, you want the group. They were all one player. Merge just merge all the white guys plus AJ Moye together and make them one player, and that was <laughs> that. That all counts. <laughs> just take Jared Jeffries out and everyone else. You count as one player. We'll yes. throw Jeff Newton in there too. Um, <laughs> all right, that was a fun exercise. So Robbie's Robbie mm. had Carson Edwards, Christian Leitner, Kimball Walker, Corey Brewer, Bryce Drew. Tate had Juan Dixon, Stephen Curry, Carmelo, Derek Rose, Sean May. I had Larry Bird, Bo Kimball, Blake Griffin, Danny Manning, and the 2002 Indiana Hoosiers. And the Man, loser in all this pick. is the Memphis Tigers role players because Tate yeah, has right. no respect for any of those dudes. Who, who is guarding the point guards, right? Derrick Rose. He's stopping all the point guards in that tournament. He's stopping everybody until Mario Chalmers, okay? That's I the mean, only D-Rose thing I'll say. Mario, awesome. Mario like, hit the shot. Okay, okay. I, I'm all, the, I'm all the, the defense, Rose Robbie. train, but it, it was more <laughs> of your explanation that his team was like 
nobody like he was playing with a bunch of dudes that couldn't walk or something like it's like I'm, what I'm, I'll, I'll, all i'm watching is point guard matchups d rose stopping everybody okay. chris douglas uh, Roberts. Right. yeah it's it's fine it's fine robbie robbie i got two questions for you before we let you go okay. um <laughs> number one is uh I, I have to ask every single person that played high school basketball in Indiana that comes on the show for the first time. Uh, we have to ask the question, why did you not go to IU? Mm. So I, I really liked Indiana when, uh, when Mike Davis was there. Mike Davis did a really good job of recruiting me. And him and Don, Donnie Marsh was lead assistant. Um, I got offered after their elite camp. I played really well against a bunch of pretty good players um, down there. And I got my offer at like half court of Assembly Hall. Um, and I, 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 I visited for the IU Duke game. Um, it was mm. amazing. Like Reddick had, had 32, but Marco Killingsworth had a dunk with like three and a half to play that sent it to the under four timeout. Cause I think Kay took a timeout and it was, I was sitting on the baseline. It was like the roof was going to blow off assembly hall. Like it, it was, it was a really like impressive visit to say the least. And, mm-hmm. but Mike Davis did a good job recruiting me. Um, I really liked Indiana when he was there and I kind of came down to my top three was Purdue, Indiana and NC state. Herb Sendek did a really good job recruiting me as well. And uh, Herb, he, he left. I think he was sick of re- recruiting and coaching against Carolina. And Duke, <laughs> so he's just peace. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. then the, the way that it went down with coach Davis and they hired Kelvin Sampson and, Kelvin offered Etuan, myself, Scott Martin, um, but it was never the same. It was strange. He was playing from behind, and there was some weird stuff. They, we were actually in on the uh, – Scott and I are in the report um, for the NCAA. Oh, the phone calls? On the phone calls. Yeah, he was <laughs> yeah. calling us. It yeah. was – it was like there was some – Rob Senderoff would call you. He'd patch coach in. <laughs> like, Or like oh, even you'd get yeah. some calls from like restricted numbers and stuff. So it was just mm-hmm. – and, and Coach Payne did a good job of recruiting us too. Um, did you did, I, I did you rat him out? Did you rat out? No, Samson? everybody everybody saying? said that. I <laughs> I swear to God, it was not me. But we did get interviewed by the NCAA for like four hours about this my freshman year. Oh no shit. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. But I I did I thought Mike Davis did a good job. And honestly, if he had stayed and not been under the heat that he was, th- there's Indiana brings some things that like a Duke or a Carolina or a Kansas from a fan base perspective. Like, I mean, people are coming up to you at that Duke game. Like Robbie, you need to come to Indiana. You're like 16 years old. Like mm-hmm. it's not that that's a good reason to go to a school, but it's also, you're pretty impressionable at that point in your life. And that's like, it's like, man, they really want me to come here. Mm. 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 Well, there it is. Man. So that's why, that's why I didn't go to Indiana though. I was at, I was Robbie, at that Duke game too, by yeah. the way. It was, it was uh, sweet. I mean, it was, thing it was, was amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Reddick was balling. I remember Josh McRoberts. I hit a dunk in the game and like flipped the crowd off. <laughs> like, he, was, <laughs> he was doing some wild stuff. It was it was a really it was a sweet college basketball game to be at though. Yeah, oh, love McRoberts, McBob. Are are you the reason uh, Gordon didn't go to Purdue? By the way, can you clear that up for the fans at home? I don't I don't know if that's true or not. Um, okay. I guess from his perspective, I know his what his parents went to Purdue. Yeah, I think they he had season Purdue tickets. Up. They had Purdue season tickets even when he was at Butler. They would still go to Purdue. They'd still go watch. Him right, play. man. I yeah. I hope not. That dude's a beast. He he's really really <laughs> good. Obviously, um, but I guess if you're in high school and you're looking at the roster, you I could see where you'd be like, they have a lot of six eight white dudes. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope that's not the case. I I would have loved to have moved to the three or played behind that dude so we could have won more. But um, yeah. he, I think the thing that sticks out about Gordon Hayward to me is how athletic he is off both legs. Like he, mm-hmm. for a right-handed player, he jumps off his right foot pretty uniquely for for guys that you see like that. He before he broke his leg, he was he was a big time athlete. Tate, anything I, else before we go? Let him out of here. I I just want to say, Robbie, I love that. Like, we should just ask you about Valpo next and Notre Dame. Like, why didn't you go there? So you can just like endear yourself to all of yeah. Indiana. We're just like, yeah, Robbie Humble would have gone to Valpo if Robbie Humble would have gone to Notre Dame I, if you know what I mean. Honestly, just, the hard the hardest phone <laughs> call I made was to Homer Drew. I cried, dude. I mm. I was a ball boy for them. I wanted to go to Valpo so bad, but they weren't going to the tournament anymore, and they they weren't winning yeah. like they were when I was in middle school and whatnot with Bryce. So. Um, that would be why. It's the hardest phone call I ever had to make was telling. <laughs> Not in my life, but like in, in, rec- no, in, rec- I mean, in recruiting. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's, uh, I was so that's sad. Great. That's great. Dude, are, uh, so the, we, the, the scheme is coming out tomorrow. This HBO documentary, Tate and I are excited about. Um, yeah. Were you ever offered money? One, were you ever offered money by anyone? <laughs> you don't have to say who. You don't have to name names. Uh, we don't want uh, you to be a rat. We, we're just curious. And number two, um, if if you weren't offered money, how much do you think you're worth? How much would you offer high school Robbie Hummel if you were a college coach? Ooh, probably not that much. What do you think your market value uh, I don't, is? I don't think I was good enough to be offered money. Um, I was in like I was mm-hmm. ranked in like the 60s or 70s. Like I was a good high school player, but I I think that's usually reserved for the guys that are like in the top 15, top 20. Mm-hmm. So the most illegal thing I got was a t-shirt. <laughs> I got a T-shirt on a visit once. That that's probably a violation uh, from Homer Drew. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Just think, go Valpo. <laughs> I wish I'd still have it. Um, and he threw it into I the crowd. Paid? It was during a Valpo <laughs> game at halftime. He's, Homer Drew's like mm. throwing T-shirts into the crowd, and he spots Robbie. He's like, "This one for you." <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. You know what I wanted to do though? I wanted to go in high school mm. to a Valpo University game after I could dunk, and I wanted mm. to be the guy that got picked to do the layup free throw three-point half-court shot and Mm -hmm. make the half-court shot first so that i could go in and dunk the hell out of the ball and just (laughs) have the crowd serenading me at at the the end of the contest it would have been so good that that was like my dream as a high school that is a great dream whatever great well man at the arc well um all right well thanks for joining we'll let you go uh this doesn't count. You have to come on the real show. This is just the quarantine show. This is just the uh, yeah. This is the this doesn't count as the real. I'll come next on, time I'll you're come in on LA, the real show. Yeah. We can we can talk about the NBA and we can talk about Russia and all those fun times. Yeah, yeah. Because we have more. Yeah, we have yeah, so much yeah. more to talk want. about. But yeah. Anyway, we we got to get out of here. So Robbie, thank you so much. Congrats on uh, congrats on the Purdue Hall of Fame thing. By the way, I never actually talked to you about oh, that. Thank you. That's a that's <laughs> a big deal. Sure. Yeah, it really I'm is. Officially old. When you get in the yeah, Hall of Fame, that means yeah. you're old as hell. You're not close to playing anymore. So. But I yeah, I found so, out. I, I'm not even kidding. I found that. I found out from my mom. She texted me. She's like, "Robbie's joining me in the Hall of Fame." We're di-. yeah, and she was like, "Your so mom excited. is the only good person in your family." I think that might be the yeah. case. Your dad, <laughs> you, your mom, really good lady. Yeah. So, all right. See you, Robbie. Appreciate right, you, Robbie. You yep. Of course. See you guys. All right, thanks again to Robbie. Like we said, we're going to have him back on eventually when uh, we're actually in the same room and we can cut it up. And um, I don't know. The technology is killing me, Tate, because I, I want to cut in and just like 
Robbie, I, you could tell, you could see Robbie's face. Like he wants to, he wants to rip on me more. Um, but like I, I said in the interview, every time I talk to him, we have the exact same conversation. We hit the same beats and then we hug it out and we talk about how Indiana high school basketball is the best is basically how it all goes. So, um, I don't know. We'll have him back on. Yeah. Yeah. For people that haven't ever watched us on the three X three U basically the entire existence of our relationship is Robbie's saying things to me like, Oh, you have, you know what the Monte Carlo game is. And, and you know, like, and, and what do you mean? Get low. And I'm like, yeah, low player wins. And he's like, wait, wait a second. T, you, yeah. you know, something about basketball, you know, it's like <laughs> that rapport is lost when you can't do like little, you know, quips back and forth. So, we will definitely have him in the studio. We will definitely have fun uh, and make that work. My favorite thing with you every time is uh, when you say something and our guest lights up, or even if it's not even a guest, like we're just out to dinner, we're like mm-hmm. meet somebody. Um, it happened with Lav recently too. When when Lavin came on the yeah. show and you said something, mm-hmm. and Lav looked at you like, oh, "All right, the young kid knows basketball a little bit." <laughs> I understand. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, He's I see not something an idiot. here. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, funny. It's every single time. Um, <laughs> Thank you, all right, Robbie. all right. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get the hell out of here. Uh, shout outs, closeouts. What do you got? Uh, first one for me, and the really the main one, the only one. Uh, Mac McClung, a man that we love here on this program, a man that is the uh, the White Zion is what they've called him, and I don't know if they've called him that or I'll call him that. Uh, but he is he's dunked all over people. He has decided to leave Georgetown, forgo his college basketball career, and go to the NBA, even though the NBA is not playing right now, um, as we all know. So it, it seems strange that this is the time that we're all announcing this. But uh, Mac McClung, I'm pulling for the man because we need him in the dunk contest. Isn't the NBA is coming back, right? Aren't they? Aren't they going to bring it back in Vegas and make <laughs> everyone play in like a bubble dome um, mm-hmm. thing? Mm-hmm. And yeah, isn't that the plan? They're gonna yes. Yes, created by Elon Musk and served only on Twitter. That's what I think. It really is going to be space. Like we're going to legitimately get Space Jam. They're going to send all these guys to the moon, build a big dome mm-hmm. for them to play in, mm-hmm. and then set the set the rims to counteract the gravity. We're setting the rims <laughs> to like twenty eight feet, and away we go. And now we're playing out the NBA Finals. Bingo, bango, yeah. bongo. Who says no? Let's do it. Um, <laughs> I want to shout out. I want to shout out uh, uh, the NCAA for making their decision today that no one, basically all the seniors in winter sports uh, cannot come back for another year. You're done. Get out of here is what they said. The party's over. Go home. Um, <laughs> we, we knew it was coming, Tate. We knew that the eligibility thing, we, we knew that, that uh, the spring sports, they're, if uh, you're allowed an extra year of eligibility, they, they're, they're letting them get an extra year. But uh, the winter sports – it's a no go. It's over for all of our seniors. So um, I guess I really want to shout out the seniors. It's officially over. They're officially done, and that sucks. But yeah. we knew it was coming. So we knew it was coming, and it also is just uh, it's one of those things where you hope you're a Cassius Winston type guy where you had like a high moment when you left her Obi top, and like your your last game was like a good game that you remember. Not like North Carolina where it's like we lost in the AC tournament. We remember the loss. It's like if you can if you can ride out on a win, think about the good times. Yeah. Uh, I, I still stand I still stand by there should be no eligibility limits, but whatever. I'm just, I'm just an idiot. Um, shout out to uh, documentaries coming out, all the documentary makers. Tomorrow or tonight, if you're listening to this, it is tonight mm-hmm. already. It is Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday night, HBO, The Scheme, the, 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 the Christian Dawkins documentary. It's out. We're going to watch it. We're going to talk about it on the next show. I'm excited for that. Also, ESPN is releasing the Jordan Doctate. I don't know if you saw this. The, the Last Dance. Yes. It's coming out April 19th. 
it's got it got pushed up. The people were clamoring for it. Give it to us now. We're mm-hmm. we, we need content badly, and and it's going to happen. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I feel bad for the post production team that had to put that together based on Twitter and people basically demanding that it come out on time. Uh, so shout out to all those people that had to work and get that together. And I also have the perfect, you know, like I'm, I'm basically the Shannon Sharp of Jordan. So if if, if like if something's bad about the stock or people don't like it, I'm gonna be like, well, it was rushed. You know what I mean? This isn't the product that yeah. Jordan would have put out. You know what I mean? Like this is this is just to fill the quarantine time. Here's a question for you. Maybe we can discuss it a little bit. Uh, do you think Michael Jordan or LeBron James is a better basketball player, <laughs> in your opinion? Your thoughts? <laughs> yes. Uh, that was literally uh, my favorite show today. I was watching Shannon and Skip at home having this like full on battle, and all it was so good. I thought that they played last night. Like I thought that there was like an NBA 2K game where Jordan played LeBron because it was so like. <laughs> up to date with the arguments they were talking they were talking on. like it was it was actually very relevant and and what's going yes, on in the yes, world like, when it's not. as if they played last night and and basically skip came out and was like uh lebron james i've been watching jordan highlights lebron james can't do this he can't do that he can't do this move i'm showing my wife the moves and then shannon's like did you not hear carmelo anthony did you not hear that he got saved by lebron because goats can swim skip that was basically my whole morning, and uh, I just want to thank Fox. Well, I'm on the Fox broadcast. Thank you, Fox, because that was. Great. I'm sorry. Am, I needed. Is, is it too much? Is it too much of a no-brainer to have put Skip and Shannon in quarantine together and <laughs> basically like just mm. put cameras around the house and film them at all times and turn it into a reality show? Is that is that too yes. obvious? I mean, do I got to do everyone's yes. job at Fox for them or what? Like, what here, are we doing here? Here's your title. Here's your title of the show: Big Banter. <laughs> and it's just full. It's full reality, 24-7, and you just throw topics out at them. You know what I mean? Like, while they're sitting then, there in the room, you're just like, is T.O. the best receiver of all time? And then Skip Bayless sits up, and he's like, get Jerry Rice's stats ready to go. And he's like, 22,000 to 15,000? Are you kidding me? And then, like, every four or five days, someone gets tested for, for corona, and when they get cleared, they're allowed <laughs> into the house. So, like, suddenly it's, like, five days in, and there's a knock on the door, and it's LeVar Ball, and now he's quarantined with yeah. him. And then it's Richard yeah. Sherman, and he gets to, he gets to come into. And there's it's one room idea. confessional. It's a confessional room that has like a Hulu, everything that you could want, and like like sometimes they take the key away, like Diddy on like making the band. You know what I mean? They're just like we gotta take the key, we gotta take the confessional key away. No internet. Are you kidding me? This is so obvious. <laughs> what are we doing, Fox? Let's go. Let's get this done. Um, uh, that's it. Oh, my my final shout out. I want to shout out Joe Diffie who passed away. Uh, I if you know mm. anything about me, and and if you don't, God bless you. Keep, try your best to keep it that way. But if you do know anything about me, <laughs> you know that I love '90s country more than anything in the world. Um, mm. Joe Diffie is a titan of '90s country. You cannot talk about. I am going to write a book about '90s country at some point. Probably, maybe mm. not. Probably not. But uh, if you're writing a book about about '90s country, Joe Diffie is mentioned within the first page. Uh, he is that important. He was a big part of my childhood, and it really sucks to see him go. And I wanted to take some time to to shout him out in earnest. I'm not joking. Like I know uh, uh, mm. there are people that like think country music corny and, and stupid, and guys like like when your name's Joe Diffie and you have songs about meeting your wives and and traffic jams and painting mm-hmm. water towers with green and and you have a mustache and a little bit of a mullet and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's kind of easy. It lends itself to jokes a little bit, but I'm, I'm not joking. The man was a huge part of my childhood and it really, really sucks that he's gone. And uh, that's all I have to say about that tape. 
Yeah, RIP. And I also want to point out in the same vein, uh, Curly Neal, Fred Neal, uh, Curly from the Harlem Globetrotters, he just passed away from Henderson, North, or from Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, a legend as well. And I want to point out Joe Exotic, uh, what he was doing to country music in this new Tiger King thing. That is not mm. the same country music that you're talking about. It's a different kind of country. That, that's what's happened, Mark Titus. You, you got Brett, you got bad ambassadors for country music. That's been the problem. I'm not kidding. I've played John Deere Green on my Spotify. I mean, at least a million times this summer or this this last summer, whatever I'm talking. Well, the last summer, whatever. When I was yeah. when I would go to the beach out here in LA. When I first moved out to LA, I was like, man, I'm I'm becoming a little too LA. I need to stay stick with my roots. And I would just play John Deere Green on repeat. And um, I don't know. It sucks. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean I to be it. a downer. I just. Uh, I wanted to, to no, shout him out. It. So that, that was sweet. That's it. That's the show. We'll be back Friday. We're going to be breaking down the HBO documentary and uh, probably finding other dumb stuff to talk about, like <laughs> Tiger King comparisons and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. All I know is that uh, if it can be related to college basketball, I have no problem doing it. I will go watch The Wire. I will watch Happy Gilmore. I will I will paint the characters in any way you want them to be painted. They will be the same characters that were involved in today's show, just matched up with different characters. You know what I mean? Because it's the same. It's the same right around. It's college basketball, and we love it. Uh, hit us up, titusandtate at gmail.com. Tell us what you want us to talk about. We're we're pretty malleable at this point, as you might imagine. Um, we're just trying to uh, basically just stay distracted more than anything and keep our minds mm-hmm. off of the nonsense going on in the world. And uh, we pre- I really do sincerely appreciate everyone listening and everyone still uh, uh, tuning in and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. It's a very weird time. It's weird for us. It's weird for everyone in the in the world. Um and so I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, if, if you choose to, to find your outlet, listening to these two bozos talking, um, just know that, that we, we appreciate that. That's cool and that, that we can do that for you. And if not, that's okay too. If I'm speaking into the void right now, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like I get it. I, if, I, if you're yeah. speaking into the void, keep watching Tiger King. Yes. You continue watching, watching Tiger King. Yeah. Just keep watching that. Watch that over and over. Um, All right, we'll be back on Friday. See you guys.